Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder Podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd and Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, Samantha here from Floater Founder. I'm here today with my co-host, Lyson Casey. Hello everyone. And here with Jennifer Coldry of the Upside Foundation. She's the executive director and she'll be here to answer a lot of questions about this awesome foundation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming or letting us come over. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. Um, So just to start us off, um, tell us a little bit about you and about uh, your role at the Upside Foundation. So I've always wanted to focus my career on giving back and making the world a better place. And I never really knew what that would look like. And it was always very vague to me. So I started my career in uh, corporate consulting and helping people from that perspective. And then I've slowly moved more and more into the impact side of things. So I spent some time doing corporate social responsibility consulting. And then three years ago was fortunate enough to be chosen to be the first employee of the Upside Foundation. Uh, So now I get to work with entrepreneurs from all across Canada and all sorts of fascinating people who are building the future on helping them give back and make a difference in their community. So it's really been an amazing experience to sort of live my purpose and uh, and help others do a lot of good in the world. That's awesome. So yeah, as a, as, as a business owner or a, or a startup founder, what are some of the upsides that the Upside Foundation can bring? Yeah, so for uh, so we call our the CEOs who have pledged to donate equity through the Upside Foundation. We call them members. So our members are part of a community of peers. So as we all know, being a startup founder can be a very lonely experience. So when people become a part of the Upside Foundation, they find this group of people who are like them, who are building businesses like theirs, who all have two things in common, which is that they are building what they plan to be a very successful business, and they want to. Do good in the world and make the world a better place and in this place they can find people who believe in the same things as they do and 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 have the same values as they do so we host events where we'll bring people together to learn from each other to connect with peers Uh, we also help bring in investors and industry partners every people who are invested in the success of startup founders so really helping to build this support network for our founders to help their success as they grow And what exactly is the Upside Foundation and how do founders get involved? Great question. So the Upside Foundation is a member association for entrepreneurs who want to build a great business and make the world a better place. And so through the Upside Foundation, we enable them to donate equity in their company for charity. So it's kind of like corporate social responsibility that's built specifically for early stage high growth companies. So effectively, the way that it works is that a company will come on board typically at an early stage, so maybe around the time they're getting seed funding, for example, although it is very flexible at any stage, and they'll donate a small portion of equity to us, typically through stock options. And then hopefully in five years, they sell their company and make millions of dollars or billions of dollars. And at that point, the equity that we own is now converted to cash and donated to the charity of their choice. So they get to support whatever cause they want, uh, and, uh, and we just help facilitate that process for them and help them embed it into their company DNA from day one instead of waiting till the day they sell their company to make the donation. Very cool. Cool. Awesome. And how do you go about kind of convincing uh, startup founders that kind of this is the right direction to go? Because I'm sure people starting uh, a new business have a million and one things to, to think about. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And that's certainly one of our greatest challenges is that there's a lot of people who are interested in doing this, but being a startup founder, there's a, a lot of things on the list to get to, right? Surviving, hiring employees, raising money, building your product. So getting, making a decision to commit to charity to the top of the list can be a challenge for sure. Um, but I think it really comes down to, to two questions. So one is, do I want to give back? And two is, do I want to give back through the Upside Foundation instead of in a different way? So there's there's really no convincing someone if they want to give yeah. back, right? Yeah. They're either that's either something that's important yeah. to them or not. Um, so, you know, we really, you know, our, our goal from that perspective is just to let people know that we help facilitate that. And then from there, we help them figure out if going through Upside is right for them. So what companies that would be right for Upside are companies that plan to have a liquidity event one day who want to sell their company or IPO at some point. Uh, companies who want to start living that today and see the value of building that into their culture today. Um, there's tons of stats out there about how millennials want to work for socially responsible companies how they will take a pay cut to work for a company where they feel like there's a greater purpose. So there's a lot of value in having that brand association with being a socially responsible company. So that's part of it. Um, and, and the other piece that founders uh, who pledge with us really enjoy is the flexibility. So we've made it really easy to pledge um, in terms of how it's structured. So you can do stock options, you can do warrants, you can do personal proceeds. And we've also made it really flexible around selecting the charity to choose. So some people you know, right from day one, they already know the causes they want to support. Other people wait until their company's a little bit more established and then pick a cause that's very strategic for their company. It's part of a broader social responsibility strategy. And other people say, I have too much on my plate right now. Don't want to think about it yet. Um, so they wait until the day they sell to choose the charity. So this is a way of locking in that commitment without having to make all the decisions up front if you're not ready to. That's awesome. And how do you involve uh, the charities when it gets to that point? Great question. So uh, really, the model is designed to be very flexible, as I said, for startups. So they get to choose the causes they want to support. So we obviously do due diligence just to make sure that the charities are in good standing with the CRA and, and are making great impact. Um, but as I said, some of our companies will come to us and already know which charities they want to donate to. Others will um, have an idea, but they're not quite sure yet which specific cause. So for example, one of our companies recently IPO'd mm -hmm. and they are a clean tech company. So they wanted to focus on ocean conservation. So we went off for them and did research on charities in Canada that are really rated that are making great impact in ocean conservation and we're able to help them make a choice from that perspective uh, so it's uh, it's really exciting so we've had so far we've had um, five company exits and they've chosen seven different charities to support so wow. it's really cool to see the variety in the types of causes that people care about that's so cool yeah cool. and um, why do you think it's important for companies companies to really have a uh, social impact so uh, for me a big part of it is that um, companies in in our current capitalistic society companies have control and power and the way they choose to operate and the, what, what they choose to do with their money really defines a lot about the way society operates so if companies are you know heads down exclusively focused on profit and just want to do what's best for them that generally is not very good for the world so i think that 
if companies have a soul to them and have people in them who care about other people and want to do good and want to be good corporate citizens, uh, the world is just so much of a better place. And I think uh, we're at a point now where it's very easy to be able to state the business case for it along with the social case. Uh, But I just think there's such a great opportunity to make such a big impact given the power and resources that companies have. Absolutely. And do you think it's also important for... um aside from companies just giving uh, a part of what they make to charity, that uh, companies should also be structured so that their entire operations are beneficial for society in general. Absolutely. And there's some really cool movements around that. So B Corp is probably the most well-known one. So becoming a B Corp is a very rigorous process. So I think there is something like 150 or 160 dimensions that you look at to become a B Corp. So you can start doing this before you even start your company and take the quiz to figure out what sort of things they're looking for. But to actually become B Corp certified, You have to have been in operations for a few years and be able to prove that you are fulfilling um, your roles in each of these dimensions. So what they are looking at is your supply chain. They're looking at how you treat your employees. They're looking at your environmental impact. So it it does take that sort of broader company operations into account. So that's a really um, nice framework to tuck into if you're looking to sort of assess the full impact of your business operations. Um, And I think particularly in tech, that's a really important question because the impact of technology is can be so enormous, right? So you take yeah. a company like Uber, for example, and their techno or Airbnb. You t- you look at the implications of their technology from a regulatory perspective. You know, people, um, you know, the things they've done to the real estate market, uh, how their employees are treated. They have an enormous ability to make an impact there. So if we start seeing companies from day one thinking about, okay, this will be the implications of what we're building. What can we do to proactively mitigate any negative impacts we might be having and really be proactive about making sure that there is positive impact, whether that's engaging community groups or or uh, whatever that looks like. I think there's such so much opportunity to make a huge impact if companies are really thoughtful about their impact from day one. Cool. Thanks. Very cool. And um, to switch back a little bit, how did this idea come to be for the Upside Foundation? Yeah, so the Upside Foundation was founded by venture capitalists. So they were seeing all these really great technology companies being built, and and there wasn't the technology is not an industry that is particularly well known for giving back. And the theory was that this is not because people in technology don't care about giving back or want to make an impact. We just haven't made it easy for them, right? The typical structure for giving back is all about cash, and as we all know, tech companies, although they <laughs> there's these big numbers thrown out around them. They're not typically liquid until much later yeah. in in the life cycle. So our founders, um, who were Mark Skipinker from Brightspark Ventures, Robin Toniadis from Information Venture Partners, and Janie Goldstein, who's a consultant, sort of looked at this problem and started looking at how people around the world are solving it. So there's two really great models that we're sort of based off of. So one, I think that probably the most famous is Salesforce. So when Salesforce started, uh, Mark Benioff built it with this one 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 model, and so he pledged right from the beginning one percent of Salesforce's equity, one percent of employee time in the form of volunteering, and one percent of uh, product, so that Salesforce is actually available for free to charities to use. And obviously, look at where Salesforce is today, enormously yeah. successful. So they launched a movement in the U.S. called Pledge One Percent in partnership with a number of other groups. So that was one of the the models of inspiration. 
And the other one was a group in Israel called Tamira. And they've been enormously successful. They've been around for 15 years and they've raised $15 million for charity. So really great success story there. And really, uh, it's very deeply embedded in the Israeli startup community. So those were sort of the two um, main places that our founders look to for inspiration around what the Upside Foundation could be. Very cool. And uh, let's say that uh, I'm, I'm starting a brand new startup today. Yeah. Uh, what are some things that I can do to prepare to give in the future and to kind of make sure that, that my business endeavor has the highest social impact possible? So uh, take a well simple, for example, or a sensible. So they are at a stage now where they have people on their team who are looking at what their social responsibility strategy should look like. They have employee volunteering events. They put a little bit more meat around it, but you can't do that from day one, right? It doesn't make sense to be allocating employees and resources to that from day one. But Upside was designed to be a commitment you can make from day one, the day you start your company, before you have a single employee, before you have a product, before you have revenue to say, I'm going to lock this in. So that when my company does become successful, um, it it can be harder to give away um, real (laughs) real money than it is to give away future money. Um, So Upside is a nice way to sort of lock that commitment in before you have any resources. And it sort of lays this framework for like, this is what our company stands for and this is what our values is. So as you're in those very early stages looking to attract employees and investors, you already have this statement that's not just like, fluffy words on a wall but like we've actually made this commitment and it's on our cap table and we can't walk away from it and how many um young startups have you been able to get involved in it and um what can people do to even let people know or get others that they know who are founders involved i think we just had someone pledge uh, about two hours ago so i think we're at 228 companies right now that's great and in terms of, of getting involved, I think part of it is just continuing to, to spread the word and help people know about this. Um, we, we have some uh, things in the works around launching some specific programs around how um, organizations or individuals who work with a lot of entrepreneurs can help uh, encourage them to get involved. Um, and part of what that looks like from our perspective is we host events, uh, if I will say, some great events uh, <laughs> that, uh, that are really great for, and, and some of them are most of them are, are exclusive for our members, but some of them are open to others. So they can come in and sort of get a taste for what the network is like and the type of value you can get from being in the Upside Foundation and uh, just sort of dip your toes in to see what it's all about. Um, but an event we hosted last week, uh, we brought in Fred Lalonde. So Fred Lalonde is the CEO of Hopper based in Montreal. Um, a pretty strong Canadian success story. He's uh, just financially speaking, he's raised $184 million, uh, including last year a... $100 million Series D, which represented 3% of all venture capital funding in Canada. Wow. <laughs> um, so he has been, he's an Upside member and he's been very supportive of Upside. So he came to Toronto last week and and we did an Ask Me Anything with him. Wow. So our founders got to ask him anything they wanted to about scaling his company and building a culture at Hopper and how he's built such a beloved product. Um, he, he shares a story about uh, building for seven years to find product market fit and right last after he did totally pivoting the business so he's a great storyteller and he has great experiences so um, that's the type of event that we host that helps bring our community together and provide really valuable experiences for our members to help them on their journey that's awesome cool and what would you say is one of your most fulfilling moments uh, working for the upside foundation 
So I think one of the most exciting things that's happened at Upside was uh, last year we had two exits. So we'd had three already and last year we had two. So it's really exciting to see the model working. You know, you have this great vision for what this can be, but when it actually starts to work and there's actually money flowing to charities, it's it's very exciting to see that happening. Um, So I'd say last summer was really exciting to see one company IPO, one company have a a majority buyout and be able to, to... share that at this point we've donated uh, $220,000 to charity. So that was really exciting to see that coming to fruition and, and knowing that we, we really are facilitating a great impact. That's great. And uh, what's next for the Upside Foundation? Uh, so far in 2019, we've brought on board some amazing new partners for the Upside Foundation. Uh, we worked really hard to curate a group of companies to support Upside that came highly recommended from our members and represent sort of the best of the best across Canadian tech. And those people are helping to support us as we scale. So because of their support, we are bringing on our second employee right now, which is really exciting. Um, they're going to help us um, step up our game around marketing. So telling stories a lot better. So we, you know, we told the story about these companies having an exit once last summer and then no one's heard anything since then. So how do we continue to celebrate those successes and celebrate all the founders in our network who are building their amazing new companies um, and, and really helping us to, to um, recruit a lot more companies across Canada and really make it very easy for those companies from the day they decide they're interested till the day they sell their company to make the commitment, get their legal document in place, be a part of the community and uh, find enormous success. That all sounds great. Yeah. So if for yourself personally, if yeah. let's say money was no object, <laughs> how would you be spending your time? What charities would you be giving to and uh, what initiatives would you be taking up? So as I said, my my life purpose, as I've always thought about it, is to make the world a better place. And I always felt uh, a bit guilty about not knowing what that meant. And recently, how I've been thinking about this, as you can see on my whiteboard, is uh, to sort of, if I can, if, if it can not just be about me doing things to make the world a better place, but if I can inspire and enable dozens or hundreds or thousands of other people and organizations to also make a great impact, then, you know, we can collectively you know, donate millions of dollars for charity, impact millions of lives, save millions of lives, whatever that looks like. So I think for for me personally, it's about how do we create that spark that generates, you know, scale in terms of impact. So um, there's a number of organizations that I am personally already involved with. Um, and a big part of that is how do we um, make sure that everybody has a great opportunity and how are we building future generations to be positive contributing members of society who see themselves as change makers and people who can make an impact. So um, the charity I've been involved with the longest is called Future Possibilities for Kids. Um, so it's this amazing, very small grassroots organization um, that works works on a coaching model. So a kid is paired with a kid coach who works them through a six month program um, where the kid is in charge and the kid chooses a cause they care about in their community and builds a goal of contribution. So they'll say, you know, I care about puppies. So I'm going to do a drive to collect blankets for these dogs. Or, you know, I recently immigrated here and I really struggled to get integrated into my school. So I'm going to start a club for new immigrants where we pair them up with buddies. So they have great friends. So it's really amazing to see what these kids come up with. And it's obviously a very powerful experience for the kid coaches to go through their journey with them. So I sit on the board of that charity now, which is really exciting because I've been a volunteer with them for 
eight or nine years now. Um, so that's that's a, an organization that I'm very passionate about. Um, I also sit on the uh, Kids Tech and Advisory Council, and that's been amazing to be a part of that organization. And Kids is obviously doing incredible work around yeah. um, applying technology to healthcare. And um, we, we recently, uh, one of the big successes there was that we um, were able to fundraise for a chair in bioinformatics and artificial intelligence I think is her name her name is Anna Goldberg and she's absolutely incredible and uh, she published an article recently talking about how they are developing artificial intelligence to predict when people will have a heart attack or predict when somebody's going to have cancer I think that's so exciting right so if we can take money and energy and invest it in things like that that have enormous applications and enormous impact for people that's what's really exciting for me so less about the like one-to-one and more about mm-hmm. how do we spark yeah how, how do you kind of convince more people to give and uh exactly. not just give all of it yourself um so that being said if there are any listeners out there that want to personally uh kind of drive social change in their community mm-hmm. what would you say is the best way they can go about doing that it's a great question i think a lot of it um just starts with yourself and being very authentic and uh, making sure that you personally find some causes that you care about uh and then volunteering your time with them making sure you're you're allocating some of your annual budget to donating to them because all charities need to operate off of funding um so i think that's step one is just finding things you care about and taking the time to be purposeful about that i think a lot of the time we sort of uh stumble into charity based on what you know we're asked to do or what people in our lives are doing and that's fine too but I think if you can really take the time to be strategic about what your values are and what you care about and what you have to bring to the table um, and and doing that I think can be really powerful I also think that uh, young people tend to underestimate themselves and especially in the technology community um, everyone in this community has such a valuable perspective that so many charities would benefit from so I'm sure they would love to have a lot more tech um, leaders and people who understand technology sitting on their boards and sitting on their advisory councils and, and helping them move forward. So I think just looking for those ways to contribute and then telling that story, right? Posting your fundraising online and encouraging people to get involved um, encouraging people in your network to to volunteer um, and then I think at your so that's on the personal side and on the company side um, we've seen a lot of really great initiatives at companies have started from the employee level and have sort of blossomed from there so um, I published an article on Giving Tuesday in 2017 now that chronicled probably 30 different examples of different programs that tech companies in Canada big and small have around giving back and a lot of them started from an individual employee saying I care about this daycare I care about giving blood I care about volunteering with this organization and they inspired their peers to join them and then the company said you know what if so many of our employees care about this we'll support it too Mm -hmm. so I think there's great power in just being passionate about something and encouraging others around you to follow it well so uh, yourself with the Upside Foundation you said that you've worked with over 200 uh, uh, startups and companies what what would you say is uh, Something that the successful ones have in common. Um, one of the the traits that I find in a lot of very successful entrepreneurs is this um, quiet humility. That you know, th- there is the like very confident. I know what I'm gonna get. I you know demand what I'm gonna ask for. I'm aggressive in my targets. But there's also this um, this calm 
that comes alongside them and this focus that you can see and um, a bit of a broader perspective around what's really important and um, recognizing that they don't know it all and investing significant time in reading and learning from the best. And I mean, Fred uh, Lalonde last week shared multiple examples about how he has taken been inspired by the culture of companies like Pixar and like Amazon. And uh, I think one of the easiest traps to get stuck in is your to-do list is never ending, right? The things you need to take care of is never ending. And it's so easy to get caught up in this like, go, 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 do, 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 tick things off my to-do list, stay up, you know, late into the night and work every weekend (laughs) to getting things done. But I think the people who are successful are the people who are very purposeful about putting boundaries around working time and who actually invest a lot of time in reflection and having conversations with other founders and reading and being inspired from other places. Uh, so I think I, I think I would say that is one of the distinguishing features of successful people. Cool. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Alrighty. I think it's time for the rapid fire. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> First of all, what is your favorite thing about Toronto? Like, what makes the city so great? Um, I'm going to say diversity, but, like, part of what I mean by that is the food, that we just have, like, the best food in the world yes. from every yes. From everywhere. <laughs> That's what we brag about that. Like, anywhere we go, we're like, we have, like, Toronto has yeah, every Toronto's food. Toronto's the best food. <laughs> you can crave anything at any hour. And uh, so what is the best street in Toronto? Well, I used to live on John Street. So I'm very partial to John Street. Um, when I in my younger days, it was like there was like ten bars on John Street, so yeah. that was a lot of fun. There also used to be a Chapters, which is like my happy yes, place. I remember that big Chapters? Yeah, yes. <laughs> so that was amazing. But they also have like bowling and um, a movie theater right there. And now they have Michaels, which is a close second to to Chapters, not quite as good. Um, it's just it's just a fun street, and there's it's always full of people, and it's very vibrant, and and that's my favorite street. How do you start your day? I start my day. Uh, I wake up at five thirty, and I meditate. Very cool. And what is your go to morning beverage? Coffee, tea. Uh, well, I did keto for a month, and so I got addicted to Bulletproof Coffee. Ooh. So I love my Bulletproof Coffee. Awesome. <laughs> and for the evening beverage, are you a wine or beer person? Um, I would say both, but I've been more on a wine wine track these wine days. track. <laughs> and uh, what is your favorite thing to do to relax? Um, it, my favorite thing is when it's a beautiful sunny day and I get to go outside for a run. That is, like, makes me happier than anything else. Um. But I did realize, sorry, this is going to be a long answer to a rapid fire question, um, that all of my hobbies were like productive. It was always like working out or reading, both of which are like contributing to future goals. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So my hobby that I do purely for relaxation is taking a bath. What's the best place you've traveled to? The first one that jumps to mind is uh, the Gilly Islands. Uh, so it's these tiny little islands in between Bali and Lombok, and uh, there's no cars, and every there's sort of a, a road that's 100 feet in from the water, so anywhere you go, you're like on the beach, and it's just so quiet and laid back, and that was pretty magical. Cool. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Probably live in Toronto. I love it here. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's the favorite app on your phone? I'm pretty addicted to Instagram, so that's most used would probably be Instagram. Cool. And the last book you read? Uh, I just finished it, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. What would you say is the number one skill that you rely on the most? 
you know, you have things you're supposed to do in your job, then you have the things that you really like doing, so you tend to do them more than the other things. Mm -hmm. My thing I love to do is strategic planning. Like, I love spreadsheets and goals and mapping things out. And But I actually think that that does drive a lot of my success, especially when you're an entrepreneur. How you spend your time defines your success. And so if you are not super purposeful and checking back in on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to make sure that you're on track to meet your goals, then you're just putting in hours and not getting anywhere. So I'd say that is my most important skill is just focus, prioritization, tying the day-to-day tasks to the big picture. Yeah, at the end, you are what you do, so. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And um, the coolest person you've ever met? I'm going to say Erin Burry because I uh, I just think she is so cool. Um, she She's built an amazing career for herself. I love what she's done with her... Uh, speaking career I love what she built at 88 she we have a very close relationship she uh, brought 88 on board as Upside's pro bono um, partner and the whole team there has done so much for us Um, I admire her style I admire the fact that she's now a CEO of a startup willful Um, I just think that she uh, has has a lot of it figured out and I really admire a lot of a lot of what she's done uh, for the final two questions, the best boss you ever had? I think I'll say a woman named Allison Crystalaw. Uh, she was my first boss right out of school, and she really um, hit the perfect balance of supporting me and challenging me. Um, but she's always been so supportive. We still have a great relationship. We go out for coffee every few months and, and reconnect, and she's just, um, again, has great vision, but was always so great at building people and um what was your very first job uh i did a lot of babysitting as a kid and i had a uh a paper route but probably my first real job would have been i worked at a pharmacy uh which was great because i sort of manned the front desk but it was a very quiet pharmacy so i mostly just got to do my homework which was (laughs) great yep (laughs) that is awesome well that concludes everything we can't thank you enough for letting us into your home and doing the pleasure thank you so much for coming this was really fun this was great awesome a lot of fun thank you we wanted to thank you so much for coming in we had such a great time interviewing you for floater founder And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you. Until Until next time. time.